Hello and welcome to Straight From The Off, a podcast based around the amateur football scene of our fantastic city of Liverpool. I'm Michael Watson and each episode we'll bring to you a local footballer, past or present, who'll share their stories of glory and despair with us on Straight From The Off. So for 2022, the podcast has teamed up with Leduso, who are an activewear clothing brand. They give our listeners 15% off at checkout if you type in SFTO15 on the website. Um, check out the gear, it's great, and you get 15% dizzy just for being a, a listener of the show. Thanks to the lads there for helping us out. So today's episode is brought to you by the Remeca Vets team, the over 40s. They've got two teams, both doing very well in the league. Once they found out who I was getting on today, they jumped at the chance to sponsor and give back to the grassroots footy. They're a great club and uh, Schmigger, my mate, who, who helps run it all, he's, uh, he's got an art of gold. So today we welcome to the show Mr Chairman Donny Rimmer. Welcome to the show, mate. Thanks, Michael. Glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me down. And you've just been saying how much you like the yeah, the little studio, haven't you? You're uh, yeah, impressed with the Sky Sports like setup, aren't you? It's professional, this <laughs> mate. I tell you, yeah, very good. Oh, nothing but the best for you, mate. Right. Yeah. So, as I always started straight from the off. How old were you when you first started playing football yourself? Who did you play for, and what team did you support? Well, I started at uh, at, at sort of primary school. I'm a I'm a Vizakli lad, so I grew up on the estate. Uh, between the Coppel House and uh, Vizakli Hospital in Lower Lane. And I went to Holy Name School. Good stuff. I played for the Holy myself back in the day, yeah. Yeah. Listen, um, not giving me age away, but there wasn't... It was a working-class estate. Don't get me wrong, a great place to live. You know, good childhood. Um, there wasn't much money around. And at that stage, Holy Name wasn't a football school, but all the kids love football. And I lived... Quite uh, right opposite the park, um, locally known as Oxmoor Park, which used to run up to Lower Lane, and I was always kicking the ball over there. And when we went into school and they spoke about teams, to be quite honest, the teachers didn't have a clue. And some of the kids, um, you know, they didn't have much money, and you, you could get a game in the, you know, in the intermediate teams in school. If your man and dad could, could could afford the kit, it yeah, was his, basically yeah. yeah. That was basically it. Um, so we used to play all the other um, Catholic primary schools, um, you know, Blessed Sacrament, Francis de Sales, Holy Cross, all of them. And uh, you know, we we loved our footy, but you know, m- most of my days were spent spent kicking the ball on the park and jumpers for goalposts, all that stuff. Yeah, I spent uh, many many at. Uh, Afternoon on Oxmoor Park, myself, when uh, me mates, I, I lived on Spot of Wall, but me yeah. mates and I went to Vizakli School, so all my pals were basically ran from Oja, ran, ran that estate there, and yeah. one of my good pals, um, Neil Prendergast, his dad managed the only name football team, and we played out, ran out of the, the club, we had loads of, loads of different age groups and stuff. So, what about pals in school, Any anyone... Um, go on to make a living out the game or anything like that or was it was it uh, yeah. just basically playing for fun at that stage well we were playing for fun but you know where i lived on the estate um was right at the top end of uh, Oaksmoor road on a road called manica crescent and the the two rv brothers lived about 10 doors from me yeah so i sort of grew up with them and um i'd be kicking the ball with them um and of course um 
one of them's an Everton legend, yeah. um, Colin, and his brother Brian, who was I was closer to his age group. Um, he um, he became a pro at uh, Chester, then Sheffield Wednesday, and then went travelling the world. And he's been in America coaching there at uh, Oklahoma University for a, for a long time. Yeah, but um, yeah, and when we got to fifteen and sixteen, and um, Colin was at Everton. I, you know, I met one of the two of his mates then, who were still juniors, who went on to have good careers in the game. Yeah. Um, so, what, was it evidence? Uh, Colin's ability, obviously, as a kid, he's probably one of one of the greatest scouts footballers ever. But was it was it evidence how good he was? Yeah, yeah. He, he it was his passion and commitment, and you know, for the game, it was unbelievable. This, you know, his skill. Um, you know, he physically wasn't the biggest fella in the world, but, um, you know, he was a proper fella as well. Very, very down to earth and we're all cracking on, but I still see him. He's still knocking around and he's still, you know, he's still the same fella that he was, very humble. Um, and uh, as you say, <clears throat> one of the greatest Evertonians who's come out of Liverpool um, that that will know, I think. Yeah, top yeah. notch. Next time you see him, tell him to jump on the show. We, there's a, there's a few left to go if he fancies you. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah. Right. So, senior school. Where did you go after Holy Name? I was actually taught in a church hall with a couple of placards in it, which was the Holy Name Club. That's how sad it was. You know, you yeah. talk about a Catholic education, <laughs> and um, the girls were one side of the screen, and the lads were the other. And that was, you know, went on to become Holy Name Club. Um, when I was 14, they built a new secondary school in Walton Vale called St. Bonaventures. Yeah, St. Bonnie's, yeah. Yeah, and um, we transferred over to St. Bonaventures and we met uh, all of, you know, the boys and girls from, um, from the Walton Aintree area. And it was a it was a brilliant time for me i really enjoyed it and the sport was much better organized the school was state of the art um and it it was a great experience so um i continued you know playing football but in a much more organized way you know with um you know proper teachers who sort of knew a bit about the game yeah and uh, yeah it, it was happy days and um you didn't really get the opportunity. It was a secondary school. You didn't really get the opportunities to stay on. Um, Sixteen, you know that was that was it. You might get an extra year out of it. Yeah. So uh, your mar and dad was always were always pushing you get an apprenticeship, lad, get an apprenticeship. So uh, yeah, I left school sixteen or seventeen and um, went working for a, a plumbing firm that me Al fell in you the lad who run it. So that was me. Um, um, you know, I had my boots and uh, my jeans on and uh, I was on building sites uh, learning to become a plumber. Out, out there in a crust. For, for the youngsters listening now, thinking about uh, St. Bonnie's, that's Archbishop Beck, as it is oh, now. It is. In, in its, in its, uh, in its yeah. newest, newest form anyway. It is in its yeah. newest form, yeah. yeah. And, you know, it, it, it was like um, opening up new horizons because the, the level of education was different. But unfortunately, we were on the back end of it, so we only got two or three years out of it. But, yeah. um, you know, um, pleasant memories. And uh, as I say, the school doesn't... It's, I don't think it's there now. And then yeah, they've, they've built the new... Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so from a footy perspective, obviously, with uh, 
better facilities, like like you said before, more um, more scope to be able to play and stuff. What uh, where did you find yourself playing? What what position were you as a uh, as a youngster? I used to I used to play in midfield, and um, even then there was a lot of lads who who were at, um, who were good street footballers. I mean, they'd never been coached. There was no junior leagues. Um, you know, you were learning your skills on you know Oxmoor Park, Adelaide Park, up in Bazakley, yeah. and um, I used to be in midfield. I, I was always competitive. I was always pretty quick. Didn't get any much weight in them days. Um, loved the game. I just loved it. Um, arguably not as skillful as some of the lads you know who were there. And as I say, we'd we'd be playing the other secondary schools across across Liverpool. And I actually felt in at that period of time that I sort of um, uh, developed as a player, yeah. became a better player for it. And we, we, kept, we, we all became better team players because that was what was instilled in us. Yeah, and, and obviously with the, um, with the introduction to coaching to you properly from, from sort of junior school into secondary school yeah yeah the, the, the primary bit and, and and all of that and and then you sort of you know developing your skills and playing the game on the parks and all of that that was a lot of that was um, for want of a better description self-taught it was you trying things and keep uppies and doing a you know the Cruyff turns and all yeah. of this um and then positional play shape and all of that came into it and um and that was because we had you know proper people PE teachers and teachers who knew the game who who were you know educating us a little bit yeah so like you said then there wasn't many junior leagues about what was what was your introduction into sort of fellas footy then was that was that more or less straight in no um I, when i finished school um i um I started following Everton big time. Yeah. Obviously, there was a bit of a connection because um, um, Colin Harvey was breaking into the team um, and tickets were available and so on and so forth. And um, so, you know, I was a season ticket holder at Goodison and that would, my Saturdays were there. And, you know, I'd go to you know a huge chunk of the away fixtures as well. So I never really um, got into playing organised football. Yeah. Um, until when I was about, yeah, I think I was 20, Colin's brother, Brian, said, look, I've been bailed out at Sheffield Wednesday um, and I've got an offer to go to Australia to play. They've offered me a contract um, um, a couple of miles outside of Sydney. So uh, I said, uh, oh, right, OK. And then I had to think about it. And at the back of my mind, I'd always wanted to travel. And... Um, so uh, I said, Brian, um, when are you going? He said, I'm going in a couple of weeks. I said, I wouldn't mind having a go at that. And he said, well, what are you going to do when you get out there? I said, well, I don't know. and I don't care. So um, he went out there and sort of made some connections and kept in touch. And this is the days before, you know, all the technology yeah. and uh you, know, you send him bloody airmail letters and all sorts of stuff. And, yeah, proper, uh, proper old school. Proper old school. Proper communication, yeah. Yeah. Um, <coughs> so when I was 20, um, got my money together, jumped on a plane, 24-hour um, journey, and um, landed in Sydney. And Brian and his teammates met me 
Um, and I walked through Sydney Airport, and it was like they signed a new player, but, but I hadn't come to play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, unveiled at the, at, at the airport? The yeah, but, but they were a cracking bunch of lads, expats, loads of lads from around Glasgow, Scottish lads yeah. out there, who'd all, you know, been at clubs, um, been let go, and had gone out there. A lot of, some of them were with partners and wives and... Yeah. Um, so I, I sort of uh, seamlessly edged into, you know, that little community and um, it was classic stuff, you know, you'd get matches of the day, a day and a half later and um, everyone would congregate in the house to watch a game with the others, you knew the results sort of thing. Yeah, but that was the only way you could yeah, keep in touch yeah. with the actual watching it, yeah? Yeah. And so I, I settled there and I was having the time of my life, I was young, footloose, fancy free, great climate. And we were 30 miles down from Sydney in a place called Wollongong. Yep. And apparently um, Tim Cale's got an academy there now. Oh, right. It's, it, yeah. it's, well, his name's on it. That, yep. You know, apparently he, he's in guitar um, doing stuff there as well. But um, um, back in the, the day, there used to be a steelworks there. And there was a club called South Coast United who were in one of the lower Australian leagues. And the way it used to work then... You'd get expenses, but they'd line a job up for you. Yeah, yeah. uh, So They still still sort of do that now with the lads who go out and not quite quite pro, but they they have a a job and then they get paid a few quid to play footy and that's like their exes and the spends and all that. Yeah, yeah. and the same thing was happening there. So I used to go to the training and so on and so forth and started playing again, but with with no firm sort of idea that I was going to get in anywhere. Um. By that time, when I was out there, I was, I got myself super fit, got myself super fit. So, um, so you weren't on the castle main, no, no, no. <laughs> just taking it easy. Yeah, <laughs> um, and uh, one of the two of the local clubs sort of said, "Yeah, you know, sign on here." Um, I always remember um, one of the local clubs was in a lesser division, was called Fairy Meadow, weird name, um, and. It, um, I signed on for them and started playing again. But the coach there was uh, Eastern European, and there was a lot of them from who'd come over from yeah. Eastern Europe, you know, you know um, trying to make their way in the world. And he, he said to me, um, you can play up top. So I said, I've never played there before. Like. But the thing was, I was quite, I didn't carry much weight. I was, you know, 12 stone two, quick. And... Um, he converted me into more of a target man, you know, a player yeah. running the channel sort of thing. And um, so that was it. I started playing. I'd been there about two months and um, Arvo O'Brien comes to me and said, uh, you won't believe this. I've been offered a contract in Hong Kong. I'm getting off to Hong Kong. I said, well, th- yeah, thanks a million. <laughs> like, <mate. laughs> nice one, nice yeah. one. <laughs> so I, I actually stayed there. Yeah. Um, I was on my own, but I'd made you know new friendships, and uh, I met this lad who uh, who played for Queens Park and Air United. Yeah, and um, he, he was a cracking fella. So I mated up with him, and he said to me, "Look, um, I've got a car here," and he said, "I'm thinking of driving around Australia. Do you want to get on the trip?" So I said, "Well." Where are you going? So he said, well, what we'll do is we'll start in Sydney and we'll go right round the, the perimeter. So down to Melbourne, you know, stay a couple of weeks, cross to Adelaide. And there's um, 
there's like a plain or a, they call it desert out there called a Nullarbor, which runs right across yeah. the southern tip of Australia. Um, that finishes a, a place called Fremantle, and then y- you go north to Perth. So you're basically going um, west to east or east to west, as it were. So I said, yeah, okay, um, because Footloose Fancy Free, travelling, seeing the world. And um, we uh, we headed off and we had a cracking time. Um, a few weeks in, um, as I said, down to uh, Melbourne, across to Adelaide. And he had some relatives who lived in Perth who said they'd put us up. So, uh, anyhow, we um, we left Adelaide and we're coming along the Nullarbor Plain. And kangaroos, the size, like six foot six in height, in the night used to jump across in front of, in front wow. of the screen. And uh, a lot of the cars have what uh, they are, have big reinforcing bars. They call them rue bars. And uh, you could see... You know, seeing them bombing across, bombing across, yeah, and it um, it was an unkept road, so there was holes in it like the size of baths. You know what I mean? Anyhow, the car only takes the knock, doesn't it? Halfway across, so we're stuck in the middle of the dead, the desert. Um, and the back axle was spewing oil, and to be fair, like the lad I went with, this John McAvoy, he got the car serviced in Sydney. And uh, later turned out the mechanic had left the plug out the back axle. Nightmare. So the whole thing seized up. And we had to be, um, there used to be a coach who went across twice a week. You're talking four or 5,000 miles across this thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And <laughs> so, um, and there'd be stop off points for, you know, gasoline and so on and so forth. And, uh, and a coach picked us up and, got us over, and then we got to Perth. And then when we got to Perth, John goes, I'm going to the local paper, um, get get, an, um, get information on the local teams, and I'm going to trial. So he said, why don't you come with me? So I said, "So I, said, I don't think I'm good enough. He said, you played over there where, where we were, over in Wollongong. He said, there's no reason why. Anyhow, long story short, we... We got to Perth, beautiful city, um, and I'm talking mid-70s. Apparently, um, I'd love to go back because apparently it's developed beyond recognition. Um, and um, we went and trialled with this Macedonian team, um, Macedonia's little country on the border of Greece, and uh, called Olympic. They signed us on. And um, as you said before, y- you get a job and they give you give your exes yeah so all the macedonians were road workers so they were putting new water mains and drains in so you you give your hard at and you go on the gang but the uh the foreman was chairman of olympic macedonia fc so he'd say go and sit under that tree yeah chill out chill out you go on you go and rest yeah. your feet and then we train twice a week but always the, the you know the, the hardest thing i did was standing there with a hose pipe spraying the road to keep the dust down. Yeah, and then, <laughs> right. Yeah. But, but what, um, was, what was the standard of footy like though? Well, we're it, playing with the obviously the, the European lads as well. It was good. It was good, and you had a. You, there were English Scots uh, in the main, but there was there was also Eastern European, Italians, um, French, Dutch, very diverse, very diverse, and. 
I had the time of my life. Um, I got a regular game. Um, the standard would be, um, I'm trying to compare it with, you know, what's here. Um, but um, may, may, maybe not where the Remy are playing at, at Northwest Premier, but certainly, you know, yeah, a step below that. that. Yeah, so yeah. like Liverpool County Premier, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, easily, easily, cause, uh, yeah, yeah, easily. And as long as you train twice a week, but... The, you know, the, the Macedonians in the gang sort of took me under the wing. And when he found out I was in Liverpool, he used to have me in the trenches singing Beatles songs to them. Did he? Yeah. yeah. No way. And it, it was great, a great experience. He used to take me to their homes and give me give me meals and so on and so forth. They were they were, they, they were brilliant people. And, uh, you know, I never forgot that. But, um, it was when the world was a less complicated place, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So... Um, I did. I did two seasons there, and really enjoyed it. Enjoyed Perth, loved it. And um, my my mum and dad said, uh, "You've been away two years. How's that it? You're not coming home?" And I said, "No, I'm still travelling." And and I was. I always had it. Where can I go next? Sort of thing. Did you fancy hooking up with Brian getting over to Hong Kong? Well, Kowloon Bay. The next stage is. Um, I'd I'd saved a couple of quid, and. Uh, Brian's playing for a team up there called Happy Valley, which is where the big race course is um, in Hong Kong. And uh, I phoned him and I said, I've got a couple of quid here. I'm coming up to Hong Kong. He goes, fair enough. He said, I've got an apartment. You can stay with me. So that was the next stage of my little uh, soiree. I, um, I booked a first-class flight on Cathay Pacific and, and flew from uh, Perth up to... Up to Hong Kong. Boss, I went to Hong Kong myself in, 90, I think my mum took me about 1996, just before it was like, sort of given back to, because yeah. it was like, it was classed as British, wasn't it, or, yeah. or part or by, until 97, something like that, and then given back, so we went and uh, I loved it there, thought it was great, yeah. and, and there was plenty of uh, footy pitches and stuff about, like it was, uh, yeah, yeah. was top notch. Um, I didn't particularly play first team there. Um, there were a couple of there were a couple of sorts of social teams around, and you know you get involved with them. Again, big expat, a lot of bankers out there, a lot yeah. of people who, who were earning a living out there. Um, and then, you know, I was on the I was on the tail end of uh, the social scene with the, the Happy Valley team, and they were, as I say, lads from mainly Scottish English. Um, one or two Europeans who'd um, been at clubs, been let go, and had yeah. gone over there for contracts. But good standard of players, then. Yeah, yeah, good standard of players, and some of them were were hopping from Hong Kong to South Africa to play. You know, for the likes of Durban, Durban City, and yeah. so on and so forth. I got to know all them, and. Um, I did nine months in Hong Kong, but I nearly I burnt myself out. It's twenty four seven Hong Kong, and you know once you get on that social scene, it's uh, it's a merry go round. Yeah. So, I, um, but we, um, we we used to go to this bar called the Ascot, which is um, as as the name suggests, it was um, English expat, but all the um, all the jockeys used to go in there and. Um, there was a lot of jockeys from Australia who used to fly up, you know, to ride at, at the Happy Valley Racecourse because the Chinese are absolutely gambling mad. They yeah. are the, the nutters. We used to go in there and became quite friendly with a lot of these uh, jockeys. 
and they'd be going, oh, that's going to win that, that's going to win that, that's going to win that. And I tell you what, they weren't far wrong. Yeah, so you could uh, earn, a few, earn a few quid on well, the side, as well as having a laugh. I, well, that was, yeah, that was servicing, uh, you know, the nightlife and the social scene. And it had actually paid for me, me flight back home. And I'd been away two and a half years and at the time of my life. And I got back here um, and I was still 22. And... Um, you know, I'd really got into the football then. And I think I had the confidence and belief that, you know, I, I, I could go out and play. And um, I, I just had a great passion and a love for the game. And um, that's stayed with me, really, right through. So, obviously, you've been away for a bit. Did, did you know much about the, the the local scene here, footy, the Saturday or the Sunday? Or? Well, not particularly, because I'd not, as I said to you before, Michael, I... I I'd, I'd not picked up on it because I was a mad, I was a mad blue, and um, I was uh, I was following Everton here, there, and everywhere. Um, don't get me wrong, I knew some of the bigger teams and so on and so forth. But you know, the next part of the little journey was, um, as I say, I was still living in. I'd gone back to Vizakli, um but I w- I'd lived away and was itching to, you know, to get get independent again. But um, a lot of the Vizakli lads um, socially. You know, they went to Coppel House or you went to the British Legion in Mazakli and that yep. was it. So we we started drinking in Walton and Walton Vale and I had a few mates from school up there as well. And our adopted pub became a Warbreck. So yep. um, I um, I used to drink in there. And whilst I was in there, um, a couple of lads came in and they were involved in um, in in the Remy, in Remica, and invited me down where have you been? I said, oh, I've been to Australia, played a little bit. Do you fancy having a go? And, you know, that's when it, you know, that's when it started and we're talking <sighs> mid seventies. Yeah. So it was, wasn't the Remy formed like early sixties or 59. It was formed. Yeah. 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 There was, um, I've got to mention, you know, the two, fa- the fellas who founded it, um, Billy and Ken Edwards brothers. Um, sadly, Bill's passed away. Ken's eighty-seven. Still with us. Still washes the kit. Still at every game. Brilliant, that isn't yeah, it? Yeah, brilliant. Boss. So, nineteen fifty-nine. So, because wasn't it was part of? Was it two things that made the the demo? Yeah, the, na- the the name was the club and the, yeah. and the YMCA. Yeah, it's not there now, but there was a social club um, on Stanley Road opposite the uh, the snooker hall. Um, Right, not far from Johnson's Dye Works, if, yeah. if anyone can picture that. And it was called the Rem Social, um, it was a typical bootle social club. Lads would uh, fly the pigeons from there. Yeah. We used to have some fun of a Saturday because they'd all be in there with the baskets of the pigeons in, and we'd be meeting to go and play a game, and we'd be letting them out, and there'd be all sorts of kickoffs <laughs> and whatever. But um, yeah, so it, it so the name was derived from. Um, the Rem Social, and then we used to train at Bootle YMCA, yeah, which was up where the Mons is now, yeah, back in the day, and um, that's where the you know, it, it a lot of people even even the other night we played a game over in Manchester, and somebody announced us as Lilland R E M Y C A, instead of saying the name, so it it doesn't roll off the tongue particularly, but that's you know that's where it came from, yeah, and then these two. These two lads were proper football lads. I mean, you, you'll have met them in your life. Um, 
uncomplicated, working class, down to earth, um, played the game themselves back in the day, um, loved it and had gone into management. Um, he didn't stand any messing around, but they, they just had good values and a good way about them. And you could see they were educating lads. I have to, I'm a great believer in that. I, th- I think that, you know, football can play a big part in developing the person. And yeah, that's why values, yeah, social values. And that's why, you know, I was keen to, be, to, to develop our club as a, as a community club. And I see it in a lot of the 10 and 11 year olds, you know, teaching them discipline, teamwork, sharing, all, all those basic values. But we're all 21, 22 and, you know, a couple of them were rag arses and, you know, bootles finest, as they say. And these lads, you know, knocked it into shape. And But total commitment. There wasn't a lot of money around. They worked hard. They didn't have jobs. They always had a couple of quiz on them and he'd always say to lads, if you're short of money, come and see me. And, you know, they'd, they'd be on your case if you didn't pay it back. So they, they, they looked after lads. Yeah. Um, and... The club was run on in the right way as well, and um, what league would that would that been at the time? Well, at, at the at the when they started, apparently, and I wasn't there then, but they went into a church league, right, um, yeah. like a Christian league yeah. that's now. So it was Saturday morning, and when they started, they they started out of a church in Seaforth called St Thomas's, which I don't think is there now, and then they graduated on to the Bootle JOC, yeah, and. Um, they had some good footballers, and the, the Jock had a reputation as being a bit of a kicking league. Um, some boss teams that have gone through there, haven't they? Unbelievable. Some unbelievable players. Unbelievable, yeah. yeah. And I still see some of them, you know, in the gym where I go to in Litherland now. Um, great players. Um, and then they, they went into the Zingari system. So yeah. there was a Zingari alliance then. The alliance, yeah. 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 Um, and they started winning leagues and winning trophies and they were getting promoted year on year and year on year. And it got to the point where the, you know, the two managers didn't have to go and recruit. The good players were going to them and going, you know, can we sort of sign yeah, up as I it come, were? Can I come to use you? Yeah. And um, I, I wasn't actually there then. So w- w- when I arrived, they'd gone into the, the Zingari League proper. Yeah. So, and straight away, they were getting results, but they had to come from Division Three right through to the top league, the you know the first division. Yeah, there's no messing about then. You had to earn your way up. To you had to earn yeah. your way up. Yeah, there was no like, you know, uh, through the back door moves. You had to you had to really earn it. You had to be champions, and they were systematically doing that. And then when I arrived, I think they were in in the second division of the Zingari proper, and we got promoted again. And then um, we were in the mix with. The APHs, the East Fillers, the Speak Towns, the Old Zavs, yeah. um, and do you know what? It was a good league. It was a good league, and there was some players there. Well, well, where was the own pitch then, on? That was Moss Lane. Yeah, pitch two Moss Lane, and there was a pavilion there, and there used to be an old couple who run it, and I always remember um, it was very genteel because they played cricket in the summer, and. There'd be about eight teams in there, and they had one shower with a rose, like which was like a bucket with holes in. Yeah, and course. about and about twenty lads would all be having intercourse with each other under this like bucket. <laughs> no, nowhere to move. Nowhere to move. Cheek, cheek, cheek. Yeah, and then 
we went full circle because it's called Littleton Sports Park now, and that's yeah. where we play. Yeah. So that's where we were, and then the piv as, as it was locally. The piv it was, yeah. yeah, you, you well, yeah, you, you're up to speed and your knowledge is good. It was the piv, yeah. And I think the kids eventually burnt it down, and that was it. Basketballs, um, really. Yeah, yeah. So when um, would you have played against the likes of St. Phillies then, wouldn't you? And being from yeah. exactly, you know, that was only yeah, it was only over the road and yes. small, wasn't it? St. Phillies were one of the top top teams. There's some good lads. I, I, there's a couple of names there that. Yeah, Joe Devine and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that well, I can't, um, I, I, I can't recall. But yeah, th- they were formidable. Um, yeah, um, I was still playing up top. Um, Everton right triangle had a, a very, very yeah. good team. Yeah. Um, um, teams from Speak, Inter, oh, ruthless. Really, they yeah. were ruthless. It's not like to speak teams, that no. is it? Speak Town, which was an offshoot of them. And it was like World War Three. It was Bootle versus Speak, yeah. and there was all that going on. Um, Classics, yeah. And I mean, back in the day, then some of the plays I started with, and I, I say that to, say it to this day, and it's not nostalgia. But a lot of the lads who were there now, I'd be getting a game at a much higher level. There's no doubt in my mind. There was there was that many good footballers around. Yeah. And there was that many teams, wasn't there? And, and there was that many teams yeah. and that yeah. many divisions. Yeah, it was the it was the glory days of grass, grassroots football. I mean, you know, the Sunday League had how many divisions? Um, you know, the, yeah. the, the twelve numerous divisions, twelve. Yeah. yeah, biggest in Europe. Most people playing grassroots football in in Europe in the city and all of this and yeah, but and um, <clears throat> we were coming the, the big games with the APH and the East Villa ones. Yeah, and. You know, there was, and it, it was. A, it, it's great that the three, the, like the three teams, not not so much APH now, but the vets are still are still going. Yeah, the three teams are still going. Like yeah, the Emmy, the APH, and East Villa. E- yeah, even, even now, it's great, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's fabulous. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to think of you know some of the names that that I started with. There's there's a lad who lives in Singapore. He was a great player, Billy Wilcox, um, Billy Meadows. Um, Billy McGee, a lot of Billies in there, isn't it? An L team full of Billies. I know. Um, and I did about, well, how old was it then? I got to about 29, 30, and um, the legs were going a bit. Um, I was all, we, the, all the partying in Australia. Well, I might, have, I might have caught, caught, up, caught, caught up with me. But, you know, during that period of time, we were, we were still winning, winning cups. I mean, we, we, we couldn't get promoted again because we got to the the top division so you know the Zingari Cup we we, uh, we win regularly and so on. We, we go up to St Mary's up in Hightown as it was then we used to have a medals competition there invite teams from all around yeah. the country we, we and it was a good pre-season workout we, we'd um, we'd do well there and then I sort of dropped down then into the uh, into the reserves and at the same time I dropped into the reserves I dropped into midfield yeah, it's a classic. Started isn't working your way backwards, long, yeah. long time, style. Yeah, and and you know that was it. Um, so I was playing for the reserves, um, and then season or two after that, I ended up playing centre back. Um, so you have done the, the whole low time, yeah, thing then, yeah, you? yeah. And then I was instrumental when the vets leagues were into uh, started of getting a vets team going, and uh, Paul Smith, you know. Mm picked up the baton as yep. it were and um, 
I played vets football till I was um, 58, 59. Did you, yeah? Bloody I was fortunate um, injury-wise, although when I was 28, I had a slip disc, slipped me disc when I was playing at a good level. And in them days, we used to take you into hospital and they put you on what they called traction. So I was eight weeks in Bazakli Hospital looking out the window and I could actually see our house, but I couldn't get out of bed. Oh, disaster. Yeah, um, and that set me back. Could see the footy pitches as well, seeing Philly's yeah. the Joe Stone there. Right opposite the Joe Stone, yeah. yeah. And to be honest, that's when I went from playing up top into midfield because I'd lost the yard. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I had a season at half house and, and, and that was it. How did you find getting um, players in for the vets at, at, that, at that point? Or could you get well, the enough in? Not not a problem. Yeah, the, you know there was a black book there with a list, and or you'd see a lot of the lads out and about, and um, it's a bit like Paul Smith now. You know, um, he knows who he's played with through his career, and he had a good career, and um, he just phones them up and yeah. off they go again. Get, and, uh, get me a number for such and such. We need a left back. One of them. Yeah, I, I mean, I kept playing because, I, well, I love the game, I love being competitive, but I just used to love the dressing room. And a lot of people say that. Yeah, same same thing, isn't it? It's what, yeah, it's the a, banter. It's what, what you miss more than anything, isn't it? Yeah, the banter. Camaraderie with the lads. Yeah, yeah, and, and, the, and the fun and games and the laughs and so on and so forth. So, yeah, um, that's why I kept going and kept playing. But at, at the same time, I was making the transition to... Um, from playing to actually off field, yeah, and getting more involved in the in the running of the club and the administration of it. So people, obviously, fellas like yourself, were the waiting goal. But players now, lads now of the modern game would sort of look at that and go, "Must be mad, must be mad doing that." They, it, it's yeah. like they don't sort of understand what it what it meant to people to to get the longevity of a club or to want to do. The hard work, or you know, it's the easiest thing in the world to turn up with your boots, isn't it? Yeah. So, so what yeah. what was your thinking behind? You know, I want to be, I want to start transitioning into, into that side of the, of the game. I, I, my belief is, and I'm, as I say, I'm starting to crack on in years now. My, my belief is, and I, and I think that the two founders of this club, um, their view was. Um, if you love your football and you love your club, and, and that's what happened to me, sometimes the club gets in your blood. Um, you know, I mean, I mean don't, don't get me wrong, I, I had a, a few little stints away. I had uh, half a season played for Kirby Town with some unbelievable players. Went into the County Common, played for Yorkshire Imperial Metals. Yeah. Um, but I always gravitated back to the Remy, and I used to ask the question, why am I coming back here? And it's because the people... And you're source of love and affection for a football club, and that's the way it gets you. Now, that loyalty and that feeling, as you say, I don't think that's around, and a lot of people don't understand. So my firm belief is that if you're involved in football and you've been in a club for a lot of period of time, you should try and leave a legacy. And and I suppose that's what drives me, and that's what I'm trying to do. Um, I want it to be the best I can, but... You know, when I'm not doing it, you know, um, I, I want to leave something behind. And I think the other element to that is you've got to have some sort of succession planning. So you've got to be cutely lining people up. And I, I believe the two Edwards brothers looked at me and went, yeah, yeah. And they 
push things your way and they get you involved and they get your interest and I'm going through and then you're hooked then you're hooked and I'm going through a similar process with people within our club yeah you know who were who were you know around about the late 30s 40s coming to the end of the career maybe doing a bit of vets football and I'm going yeah do you fancy getting involved there do this do that and that's the way that you've for me that's the way you've got to you know sustain your club so what was your first role then on the non non playing side? Um I was manager of the uh, of the reserves. Yeah. Um and then I became secretary of the club. Um and I've been chairman for um 10 to 12 15 years now. I I've lost track of when I actually took over the mantle. Yeah. But the the guy who was chairman before me Barry he, he's now vice chair. He's just because of work. He, 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 I retired. He stepped. He, he's still working. He stepped back, but he's still got a, a significant role in the club as well. So, um, yeah, I've done like a lot of people in football. I've done everything. I've, you know, organ, organized the trips away abroad. Um, we, you know, we were always going to Ireland or going somewhere. Um, and as you say, you. you your head's full of ideas. How can we progress? How can we do this? How can we do that? How can we be creative? Um, and we've always done that. We've tried to, you know, push the boundaries a little bit. And um, and that's how, really, um, the Remy ended up in non-league. Yeah. Um, because football was dying off a little bit in terms of where it was. And, and you hint, spoke a little bit there, Michael, about attitude and the changes in generationally in culture and so on and so forth and yet that's evident that you know the hunger and the commitment to players is nowhere near what it was but back in the day in my day um, there wasn't as many other options to engage and entertain you yeah, 100%. yeah. so were you were you about them when the Remy made the decision to obviously go uh, counties and, and things like that from the uh, from the yeah the yeah there was, there was the, yeah the, the two drivers were, were myself and a, and a lad named Dave Evans, who was the secretary at the time. And and how it come about was, we were in the pub one night having a, you know, um, a comfortable chat, and um, we spoke about non-league, and and we looked at the northwest counties, and and in the lower division at that time there were sixteen teams, so they had a premier division, yeah, and sixteen teams now. They were way short of where they should have been. They were arguably, I think there was 22 in the Premier. And I said, look, there's there's, there's no teams coming through here. We did some research and, and uh, the last club on Merseyside um, to make the move was a team called Stantondale. Yeah, I played for them myself. Right, and they used to play at the BAT. Yeah. Um, and I... I don't know how many seasons they lasted, but um, they, they, eventually they, they, they folded. But yeah, they, they, I was part of the team that folded me. Oh, well, bloody hell. <laughs> I was only a kid. Sorry was, about that. I was only 16 or something like that. So yeah. I'd, I'd gone in. Obviously, I think they were, um, they, they were trying their just to keep the, them afloat. It was like, uh, it was Roy Grundy and, and oh, things yeah. like that. They, nice. they were involved. Yeah, in Roy, yeah. Peter McDermott was, yeah. was in charge. Yeah, Teddy McDermott's brother at the time. Uh, so that would have been about... 1997 I was only about 16 7 that was my first taste of sort of men's footy at, yeah. at that level and, and it was tough so we we were they were the last to make the transition yeah and I thought to myself well 
uh, clubs lacking ambition here. You know, what's it all about? And not long before that, two or three seasons before that, um, the the Zingari had merged with the Liverpool County Prem. Yeah. Um, and we were back at the sports park and we, we, we were allocated that centre pitch. And we, we said, well, can we make this work? Um, so we, we approached the Northwest Counties League and you got the impression they were keen. Um, I'd go as far as to say they snapped our hand off because they, they were looking to boost the numbers coming into to their league. Well, there's certain criteria. You've got to finish. If you're not champions, you've got to f- finish within the top three or four. Yeah. Um, and then... There was all sorts of ground grading to be done. We went to Sefton Council. We didn't get much joy there, as you might imagine. No money, um, but we we grafted and we, we you know we got a fifty cc stand on there. We got to fabricate it ourselves. We did this, that, and the other, and we we eventually uh, achieved the ground grading, and um, we um, we went in uh, in two thousand and fourteen, um, and that was. You know, it was, it was a big day for the club. You know, we we'd shown ambition, and you know we'd achieved it. Yeah. And then the other side of that is, well, did we have a squad to compete at that level? So we pulled a manager in who'd managed in the Welsh League called a scouser called Dave Abraham, and um, he he bought a lot of lads in who we knew. Um. So it was the first time we'd moved away from. Um, the Remy having local lads, i.e. Bootle, Netherton, Little and Seaforth, so on and so yeah, forth. Yeah. One or two were coming in from over the water. He'd managed in mould previously. And um we um we went in and um you know the uh, the bottom division of the northwest counties um wasn't much different to the level we've been playing at, to be quite honest. Yeah, from, um, from the county Liverpool County. Yeah, Liverpool County Prem, yeah. I mean you take the top six in the, um, you know, the Liverpool County Prems who easily turn over most of the teams there. Yeah. Um, anyhow, um, Dave didn't last long um, for whatever reasons. He, um, and um, I'm not sure whether we decided to make a change or he um, he stepped down and we were looking for a, a new young up-and-coming manager and um, Phil Stafford was doing well at a goal then yeah. and his sidekick was a lad yeah. named Stuart Kerr yeah he built a great little team Staffold yeah. there hadn't he yeah, yeah. Goal. so at, at that time I mean Staffold you know was still wanting to play the ball he's he's one of the most passionate football men I know he just bloody loves the game he's like a, he's like a kid in a in a toy shop he yeah. just loves it and um, we approached him and said would you be interested and um, they said they would and he agreed to come and, co- and then that caused absolute mayhem with my goal then, who reacted pretty badly to it. So, um, but, you know, I, su- I don't know how we'd have reacted if somebody had come along and, um, you know, lifted. Unfortunately, it's the nature of the beast, isn't it? Well, that we were coming into, you know, different realms now and, and it, that, that's where the big learning curves come for us now. Um, yeah. How to do business, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's a pretty brutal world. I mean, a non-league pyramid in the system... They're all nice to your face, but I'll tell you what, boy, they'll do you. Yeah. Um, and they won't even think about it. 
they won't even think about it. And you've got to, you've got to learn fast. Yeah. You've got to learn fast. And and the other the other side of it, which you sort of touched on, is they'll approach players, and they're supposed to be, um, you know, this so called seven day rule, which is a nonsense really, because um, any time you get anyone who's talented, you know they're just going to get lifted, and you know that. Whereas there was a loyalty before, um, that loyalty's not there. And lads will move for a, a 20 quid, 10 quid, at, you know, on their exes. And that's the way it is. And, um, you know, that you've got to contend with that and you've got to live with it. And then, of course, you end up... And the thing in Liverpool is, at a certain level, we're all fishing in the same pond as well. So... You know, we're putting seven days on players from Lower Breck. They're putting seven days on on us, Saint Helens, Scam, so on and so forth. And yeah. it it can be pretty brutal. It can be pretty pretty brutal. Um, but you know, that's the way it is, and that's where you've got to learn. It's hundred yeah, percent. Um, it's dog eat dog. But so. Phil Stafford's in. You've got a local lads, but who's probably got more his finger on the pulse of the local. Yeah, yeah. The local scene, obviously, he's a, he's a beautiful lad himself. So, how did you find then it was more um, in touch with the club's values? That more, yeah. More so, no, no disrespect to, to Dave, but it was that how it, how it felt a bit more suited? Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, Phil was, like, a great fit. And um, as often happens, when he moves, players move. So we were getting we were back to local lads again, yeah. And and that, and that feel the local feel, and the Remy feel w- w- was back, and um, Phil was doing extremely well. Um, first season we just missed promotion. Um, I think we finished third. Um, at um, at that stage, the FA hadn't introduced playoffs, so it was first first two up. Yeah, I think we come third. We missed out on goal difference, and what I've just we've just been uh, I've just mentioned before. Um, uh, in the following close season, Phil gets approached by Bootle. Yeah, so who he'd played for. He'd and played for, and all of that. So, um, but um, and I'm pretty sure uh, if my memory serves me well, I'm trying to think what were you doing. I'm pretty sure we went to a playoff situation with City of Liverpool and we lost it on the yeah, day. Yeah. There was there was 1,300 at Lillardon Sports Park. And do you know what? Our lads froze. And on the day, there had a lot of players who played in the Sunday National Cup who were used to the, the yeah, occasion. Yeah. And um, they, um, yeah, they beat us. And I always remember being in the Netherton pub and there was like a pained look on Phil's face. And I thought, something's not right here. And I think he'd been approached, um, and he went to Bootle. Um, <clears throat> prior to that, um, Paul McNally had been um, um, released from Camelaid and wasn't doing anything. So Phil had brought him in. Yeah, he was come in as part of the coaching staff, Mac. Yeah. Yeah. So Mac had come in, and so we had a chat to him, and he was a bit coy. And I said, "Well." You know, do you fancy it? Do you not? And anyhow, he ended up um, taking the reins, and um, the following season he got us promoted. Yeah, and he's done a good job with more or less the same players. W- one or two additions. He, he he had a few good contacts, so we 
we got a, a you know a few good loans. Um, in a lad named Matty Hamilton come in, who's now at Skem, yeah. Um, local Formby lad, um, and, and one or two others. And you know, we had Colin McDonald playing up top, who was causing mayhem, big physical lad. Um, and we had a lad named Colin Quirk in midfield, who's a talented footballer, yeah. Um, you, I mean, he wouldn't do the hard yards, he wouldn't, um, um, when he didn't have the ball, he wasn't doing the graft, but. He'd always be whinging, give me the ball, and when you give him the ball, he'd make things happen. Yeah, that's it. And he was he was winning games for us. You know, he did something from forty yards into the top bin. You know, that's just, it. You can allow you can allow for that, can't you? When when yeah. you've got a match winner, sometimes yeah. you've got to um, let them be a free spirit and yeah. go. Macca wasn't keen on him, um, and they had a few fallouts because I'll, you know Paul wanted the graft out of him, yeah. like he does most of his teams, which is fair enough. Um, so let me let me just touch on that. So then. Promotion then for you as you know your sort of visions coming to fruition there. How does that feel for you personally to see, you know, the idea behind right? Let's go in the counties. Let's see if we first of all let's see if we can compete. Now we're competing. Let's see if we can push on. How does that feel for you from like a, a personal point of view? Well, unbelievable, but scary at the same at the same time because you're thinking, hang on, um, we're going up a level. Um, are these lads going to be able to compete? Um, have we got the resources to bring in, yeah. you know, fresh blood? Um, so it was mixed feelings, I'll be quite honest with you. And then, you know, you've got to look at, you've got to look at the resource uh, situation and, and, and all of a sudden you're moving from um, the amateur football where you more or less know what your, your, your costs are and, and, and they're reasonably achievable to a point where, you're thinking, hang on, what are we going to need to be able to compete here? Um, and of course, we're located, um, you know, a mile and a half from Marine one way, a mile and a half from Bootle the other way. Um, and we're, we're all competing in terms of non-league to get people through the door. Yeah, in, sim- in similar areas, yeah. In similar areas. And, 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 the, and it's not just that you've got City of Liverpool playing at Bootle. Yeah, and you've got yeah. Other, ple- other yeah. Teams playing at Marine, so it's every, every week there's a constant game at yeah, the local yeah. grounds, isn't it? Yeah, so you know, so you know, that's an issue, and and and, and that's a massive problem. And, and and then you talk, you're moving from running an amateur team, you know, playing in a park situation to running a small business because that's what it is. And um, you've you know, your bottom line is you've got to make that club sustainable, so that's that, that's a pressure. And um, I think a lot of teams who've got aspirations and ambitions, and certainly we were one of them, you don't really fully consider that when you come in. Yeah. You, you come in, you know, w- with your ambition, wanting to be the best, wanting to play at the highest possible level, um, but not really understanding. Yeah. That's what it is, isn't it? You consider it, but you don't know until you're at it. Yeah, yeah. What, what's actually needed, yeah. Yeah, and and th- that's the pressure and... and since we come in, I've been working behind the scenes to um, try and get us a move into our own, you know, ground where we can we can actually <coughs> develop a clubhouse and start it in an income when we're not playing football. Yeah. And, you know, that's the long-term aim. And um, we were quite close to that because we, were, um, we got approached by the County FA, um, and I think it was 2017, because... 
they were moving to what was the civil service in Thornton, right, yeah. um, which is now part developed. Um, there's a new, <coughs> there's a new um, 3G pitch there, yeah. and they've uh, revamped the five side pitches, and um, they invited us in, and we were um, going to be a big part of that. Um, but we did say to them, look. <laughs> Um, we can't just come here and rent the pitch off you because we're an non-league football club, so we've got to have the ground up to the ground specification, the grading, and we also we also need um, a bit of a clubhouse there to earn a bit of income, you know, f- for us to to be able to pay our way. So um, we never signed a contract or anything, but what happened is um, we uh, we got so we got fifteen thousand pound for. Um, Funding um, because we're set up as a um, as a community community asset. Yeah. So we we approached um, one of the lottery funds. We got fifteen grand for a, a feasibility study, how we might fit in and what was required, and so on and so forth. And um, the FA had um, appointed a firm of consultants, football consultants. So we thought, well, there's no point in us going to an, a, a, you know another outfit. We, we'll chuck our money in with these consultants, and they can actually. Um, um, understand what's required of us um, and of the FA, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Then, COVID it, the FA all of a sudden went silent. We couldn't get any response out of them. There was nobody working in the office, and they dropped us. And to this day, we've never discovered why why they dropped us. Um, but they've completed the facility, and the the only feedback I've had is, oh. The consultants we were working with um, were pie in the sky. The figures um, weren't deliverable. So I said, well, that's nothing to do with us. But um, And then, of course, the CEO retired and there's been a few changes there. But um, we, as a club, I felt we were let down. But it is what it is. So you dust yourself down and you, you go again. So when when things like that happen, do you sort of just have to wait for your next opportunity of a sort of a development or somewhere where? You well, can- we're back. We're back talking to Sefton Council now about a site. Um, I know City of Liverpool are doing similar with Liverpool City Council, but it's in, in the current climate, it's hard. Yeah. I mean, and you know, you talk about COVID that set everything back. Um, and I think most football clubs. If they didn't have everything placed before, and they'd have to step back and reset, we did, we did. Um, you know, we got we got some funding from um, Sport England to help us survive and and get us through. We, um, but as I say, we felt let down. We're back to square one. But what you've got to do is you've just got to um, you know get out there and um, we've said to Sefton Council. Is there any opportunity of you giving us a piece of land or something that's currently used for football where, you know, you give us a 30-year lease? And, of course, that opens the the door for funding from the Football Foundation, the Premier League Fund, and any of the funds you can tap into. Um, the alternative to that is if you do get a site and you can, and, um, you can develop a 3G setup, I mean... Sefton Council has done some surveys and you know they, they reckon to meet the needs of the borough, they need 16 pitches across the borough. Well, there isn't 16 pitches in, in, in Sefton. I mean, yeah. th- you know, the, 
there has been an increase. Some of the schools have got them now, etc., etc. But longer term for us to stay where we are, I mean, I suppose there's, there's an old saying is that you're punching above your weight, but, you know, things happen for us quite quickly. You know, we come from park football into the non-league structure and then we got promoted. And so we've sort of, we're at the glass ceiling as it stands at the moment, but you never give up, you keep going and, um, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll keep being uh, positive and keep looking out there and um, hopefully something will uh, come up and we can, yeah, we can get. Spot on. So Colin in charge now at the moment? Yeah, he, he's a good lad, Colin. I spoke about good values like, you know, loyalty and um, wanting to represent the club in the right way. Um, Colin won't mind me saying this, but um, he's a, he's a straight shooter. <laughs> uh, that's the sort of guy that he is. But there's another lad there, Stephen King, as well, who um, yeah, played with Kingy himself for a few years. Yeah, 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 and he's picked up um, the secretarial role, and he's a good football man. And um, those two have, have sort of stayed loyal, and they they were part of the lads who come across with the Phil Stafford um, yeah. people. Yeah, um, and you know they're the sort of people who I'm trying to persuade to get into roles and so on and so forth and um, Colin's done a good job we're, we're struggling a bit at the moment but we've, we've been very very competitive but we've just lacked the quality to be able to see games out and um, I have to say the uh, the Premier League of the North West Counties is is a strong, strong division this yeah. year yeah. Most um, yeah it is there's you know um, never ceases to amaze me the amount of money that's kicking around and the players that they can attract. I mean, we, we, we've had a couple of good paydays out of it. We've um, we played Macclesfield and run them close last year and, you know, at 650 there. Um, so you do get your occasional paydays from it. They've moved on. Um, there's, you know, there's still big clubs. We've got Berry to come down to us this year. Yeah. Um, so... You know, I say to the lads, these are the sort of games you want to be playing in. Um, and we try to keep it as professional as we can. Um, but, um, you know, we're, we're, in, uh, we're in need of getting points on the board. But Colin's done a good job, shown great commitment to it. He stepped in, um, put his name forward um, and stepped up to the plate. And, you know, you, that can't be knocked can't be knocked. Yeah, so I admire him for it. Proper Remy man, isn't he? Yeah. Speaking of Remy men, then our mate Paul Schmidt. So he's um, he's put his hand to the to the vets. He, he must have played. He's played for for the Remy for I don't know how long and over over the yeah, years in different well, guises, hasn't he? Again, a bit similar to myself. I don't know what it is, but you come to the club and it gets you know gets in your blood. And I remember him coming from. Um, there was a team called Sefton and District who used to play behind the punch bowl. Yeah. Um, and Paul was playing for them as a 17-year-old. He was a rangy 17-year-old. And um, I don't know who persuaded him to come. The first time I saw him play, I thought, he, there's a player. And um, he, he, in his pomp, he's, just one of, he's as good as I've seen, you know, in the centre-forward role. Yeah. He knew where the net was. Um, and he had that edge. He... Uh, I mean, he could be a bit erratic occasionally and get a bit emotional, but um, he was a player. Yeah. Yeah. And 
he surprised me because he sort of says to me, I'm doing what you used to do, Don. And I go, what do you mean? And he is. I mean, he's actually um, he's chairman of the Vets League now. And I, I'd never have had Paul down for that. Yeah, he's on the committee. And that yeah, he, yeah, and he's on the committee. Oh, he probably loves it, loves loves his footy. But you know what, that's... Um, that's off to you because obviously he, he's seen something there that that he's he's admired and thought you know what well, I, I I want to do something along along them lines. So, well, I think that's what you've got to do. You've got to nudge people and sort of try and get them on board. And don't get me wrong. I mean, if it wasn't, I mean, my missus is on board now. She's like does all the the catering match days and never stops whinging at me for doing it. Like, but I mean, her heart and soul's into it as well. Um, you know, there's a bunch of volunteers. You've got to rely on volunteers. That's what people don't... That's the other bit that a lot of players don't see. They, yeah, they people just give think, up their own time, their spare oh, time as well, to, yeah. to be involved in, in it. Yeah. What, what was that community award that you won a few years back? Was it like at... Um, well, we, yeah, we did. We started, you know, we started winning awards and um, Ken Edwards, who's 87, won the Liverpool Echo um, sort of sports person of the year or something. And we got a... Got a free nice house with the Titanic on it, so uh, Brilliant. That's right. yeah, um, yeah, and we've won community awards, and with, and with the FA early doors, we were flavour of the month because another thing I've not mentioned is um, uh, as part of our sort of ambition to try and get our own facility and develop, we've set ourselves up as a community club, so we've got kids from six to seven playing right through to yeah. you know the vets. Um, we've got a big girls section now, so we're ticking all the boxes in terms of funding from the FA, and we we purposely set ourselves up that way. Um, but the problem with all of that is it's just keeping it keeping it all together and keeping control of it and keeping it going forward. But um, we're on the right track. We we do need a bit of a break and a breakthrough, um, but you know we will keep going. But um, a lot of the old players come back. Some great players, um, few, um, Michael Kane, Mick Kane, Peter Kumsky's at um, um, Prescott Cables now. Yeah, he helps us out with players. Anyone that you know, they're not going, they're not going to pursue. He puts them our way. Um, Paul McDonald, um, he's not with us anymore, but I've got to give him a mention. He's one of the best amateur players I've seen playing football, and he he played for the Remy in the. You know, in the nineties, in the good days when we were sweeping everything before us, but um, you know, it's friends for life stuff, isn't it? Uh, without stand sounding too nostalgic, but um, you know that, and you still see these people knocking around, and um, I mean, a few more of them should get down to the games. They don't, but you know, when, whenever we have a reunion, you know, you you you'll get lads who. Uh, who were still there from the early days in the 59s, 60s and so on and so forth. I mean... Um, and like they've never been away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get a few, get a few uh, swigs down, yeah. yeah. Right, shall we have a go at, at trying to build a football, I mean? So is this going to be difficult for you o- over the years? Because I imagine you'll get a bit of grief, won't you, off a few? Shall we, shall yeah. we give it a bash? Yeah, go on, we'll give it a bash. Or we yeah. start with left po- left foot, left peg, sorry, let's say that again. Or we start with left foot. Oh, do we? Oh, God. Um, so we had the best left peg you've seen over the years. We could have played for you, played against, doesn't really matter. Could even be out in Australia or, or Hong Kong. Or a jockey, could even be a jockey. It could be a jockey, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I tell you, 
a, a young up and coming lad. He, he's on Jill Reggie at the moment, who's got a cracking left foot. Is um, and I think he'll go far in the game. Is um, a young kid called James Hamill. Yeah, yeah. He's gonna. Um, Is that Lee Hamill's lad? Yeah, Lee Hamill's lad. Yeah, yeah. 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 He's gonna make a player. Yeah, um, and you, he's at Prescott, and Prescott, Prescott have got him playing in a wing back role, but he's got a wand of a left foot. Yeah, he's quick. He's got pace. He's got all the modern attributes, you know, to 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 make it. Um, I'm trying to cast me, you know, me um, me little list back to who actually played played left foot, but um, he's got a wand of a left foot. Um, so I'll stick with him. Sound. We'll go with that, mate. Okay, right foot. I know it's a bit more difficult because it doesn't stand out as much as the left foot. Ooh. Who struck the ball nice, or who had that passing range, or the worldies, or the crossing? That's got to be Quirk, Colin Quirk. Yeah, yeah, he, he, the... he, he, yeah, yeah. We 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 played with pitch Oldport, with with Oldport. So about five hundred in the ground, and uh, we had a lad in. They battered us with a lad in goal um, called Ben Morrow, who was unbelievable on the night, and he kept them out. And Quirk, he come up, and he just did two blinders from. 20 odd yards and game done. Yeah. We beat bang, them. bang, good night. Good night. Yeah, and, but he was always capable of it and you, you just knew. Like, people would go, he, you know, he did one from the halfway line, Beckon-esque, and they go, you jammy bastard. And I go, no. He does that on a regular basis and that's, you know, the proof of it. Yeah, yeah the shine of the uh, yeah. the person who can hit the ball right, the, the talent in the yeah. uh, right foot. Right, next one, touch. You've got the best touch. I think Paul McDonald would be up there yeah, with that. Yeah, some player him. Yeah, yeah. He'd be up there with it, yeah. Yeah, I'll stick with him. Go with Paul Mack, okay. Yeah. Skill. The dribblers or the uh, ones you could pull the flicks off for, the, you know. Yeah. Um. Again, I'm looking at... Peter Skumski wasn't a, a dribbler, but he, he was a very, very good player. Yeah. Yeah, he was a goal scorer. Yeah, and it, it, Yeah, and he was... Um, yeah, great decision maker, knew where to be, awareness and all yeah. of that. Well, that's a skill in itself, isn't it? Yeah. Are you going with yeah. him then? Okay, yeah. head, and, head and ability. Ooh. There was there was a lad who played centre-half called Graham Wood. He's still knocking around. He runs a cab business at the moment, like a, you know, those seven-seater things. Six foot two. Nice lad, good player. And, he was good in the air. Nobody ever beat beat him. And then back in the day, and this is for the uh, uh, the old fellas. We we had a centre half um, called John Roxborough. Yeah, and he he was like the Jack Charlton of um, the Remy. Was he? Yeah. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, he didn't take any any nonsense either. He could handle himself. He was a great editor of ball, and he'd always get you get your back post goals. So, yeah, where the waiting goal. So that. there's, you know, there's two generations there. One way back, and Graham, who um, is, um, well, he's a, he's a little bit back, but not as far as that. Excellent. Okay. Next one is speed. Who was the quickest that you've seen over the years? There's a lad named John Walsh, school teacher. Um, quiet lads. You wouldn't have him down. He he wasn't from, he wasn't from the rough end of Bootle or exactly. Um, I think he grew up in in McGull, and um, he came to join us, and he's still knocking around with us now. Um, 
he was a right fullback, but he played in a great lobster team. And, you know, I'm talking about you know that back in the day, twenty yeah. odd years ago, yeah. and he was a right back, and he was like lightning. Was he? Yeah, yeah, he was like lightning. And you know what? He's um, he'll be fifty odd now, and he's like a he plays cricket. He's a, he's the a Northwest Bowls champion, and he still turns out for the vets. But he was quick. He was quick. And um, he'd get himself out of situations through his, his pace. Yeah. 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 Boss love all that. Right strength. Used to oh. be uh, the big strong ones or small strong ones, however you want to, uh, however you want to phrase it. Colin MacDonald was a great, you know, yeah. Low, low sensor, yeah. 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 I mean, he told me back in the, in the day when he was getting trials for Everton that he was quick. But <laughs> what I saw was the old fashioned, you know what I mean? Olden people off, strong. Yeah, skillful as well, though, wasn't he? Yeah, he yeah. was, yeah. We had, a, we had another lad back in the day who was a big lad uh, called Graham Story who played up top for us. And he, he was a similar style of player. Um, very good. But um, there was lads knocking around in, in the the Crosby and District League, centre forward, strength, Davy Parker, yeah, great player, um, John Westhead, God, he was, you know, uh, say, Schmig was powerful, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. the younger huge. generation wouldn't wouldn't know of them, but they they in the day they were they were top notch, yeah. they were top notch, they could play, right, fittest, using the best nick, who's who's the uh, the fittest that you've seen over the years. I'd have to put John Walsh in there. Yeah, as you say, he was just that type of uh, that type of player. John's one of them lads. He was a school teacher. He still goes to church. Not knocking for that. Clean living, and he looked after himself. Good stuff. And when we were in the gym, he was burning everyone off. Yeah, you know, that was him. Cracker, right? Keepers, right? Um, the best keeper I ever played with is a lad named Steve Masson. Yeah, Steve Masson was um, was a fire bobby and sadly he passed away about eighteen months ago. But he played for all the top teams around the Crosby and District Leagues of a Sunday. Um, I think he might have played for Bootle for a while. Big lad, strong, athletic. Um, in his day, um, he was good. Um, the Remy had a lad named Brian Black who played. Um, he was a very very good keeper. Um, we just we've just had a lad who's just left us, Ryan Jones, who played a bootle. It's a big six foot lad. Yeah, um, he's the a national, good he, with the campy in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah played yeah. for the campy. Yeah, so um, much. Yeah. So between any of them, which one are you, you going to settle on, or is it a, a three way, three way tie or what? Um, I'll go with Brian Black. Brian Black was the keeper who played for the Remy when we when we were sweeping the boards. We won the Lancashire Amateur Cup. 91 and 92, 93, 94, we won League and Cup doubles. Yeah. Um, and he was the keeper. And, and He's a good keeper to win. Yeah, 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 yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah. And Peter Kumsky was up top. And, and when teams come and set the stall out and we were struggling for the result, Peter had always nicked the one niller. Yeah. And, but Brian Black was was there as well. So I'll go with him. Good stuff. Right, the funniest, who's the, the funny or the madmen, the loonies? Yeah, I... we. I played with a lad, and again, sadly not with us, named George Parr. Um, 
And if you looked at George, you wouldn't think, yeah, there's no player there. I used to play centre-back. He was quite portly. I'll tell you what, he was quick over two or three yards. He wasn't a bad player. But um, he played the Saturday and the Sunday in the Sunday team I played for called Netherton Vale, which was... Um, the Eden Vale used to be in the lounge and the Netherton Vale would be in the bar. Right, yeah. So we run out of the same boozer. Yeah. But th- they were the better team. You know, they had all the lads who... Um, if you wanted to play football, they'd play football. If you wanted to fight, they'd fight. And, you know, they, they had a bit of a reputation. We were just a bunch of lads, lads together. And George played, and he was just comical. He used to have the dressing room in, you know, in stitches, and he'd, he'd be pulling all the strokes. He was a funny man. And sadly, you know, he, he went you know, far too stu- soon, but... Um, I often think about him, and the lads often talk about him because he he, he was a hoot. He'd uh, he'd be up to all sorts. Brilliant, yeah. lasting yeah. memories, Boston. Yeah. Um, leadership. Ooh. Yeah, good one. Um, I'm gonna go there with Michael Kane, Mick Kane. Yeah, yeah, great leader. Mick 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 was a great centre half. Um, um, good decision maker, good defender. Um, but he was a leader, leader of men. And, you know, in the Remy's most successful period, he was there. And he's, he's a lovely lad as well. But, you know, he's humble. But, you know, he, he could lead and direct people. So I'll say McCain. Okay, next one after that is attitude. You had the best attitude. Always you could rely upon, never let you down. Best out of themselves. Yeah, um Yet again, I'm going to go back to my man, John Walsh. Just consistent, there all the time. Um, never let you down. You could swear by him. You could swear by him. Spot on. I'm, bullying, I'm building him up a bit here, aren't I? Yeah. Well, she's the man in it. Yeah. Right, next one. Dirtiest. <laughs> yeah, and I'm stuck here. I'm stuck. Um, I'd have to say, the one who'd stick it in the most and I'd just walk away. I wouldn't flinch. It was that centre back I spoke about, John Roxborough? He was ruthless. Was he? Yeah. Yeah. As, but, say, as in what? But just throw it in, but not not want to fight. Just walk away as if it was like nothing. Yeah. He, you know, back in the day before, um, you know, dentistry was as far advanced as, as it is now. You'd always have a palatin. Yeah. And you'd always knew once that started coming out, he was on it. You know, and um, but there's nobody getting past him. And he had like telescopic legs. He was skinny, a bit knobbly kneed. He was Jack Charlton esque. And but he'd never back down. And and our case like Jack Charlton as well. Yeah, yeah. No, he, he didn't suffer fools. But a, you know, a gentle giant. You know, off the pitch was a, he was a gent. He was a he was a he's a nice fella. Um, but yeah, he he wouldn't stand on ceremony. The, the centre forwards knew you know they were in for it like and that, but. As I say, you could get away with a bit more in yeah. them days Game's as well. changed a lot on it since yeah. then. Right, best goal you've seen, scored yourself or been involved in or has been scored under your watch at the club or against the club? Well, I always, I always fancied myself in the air and I scored it. And, and, you know, um, used to get up early and not just a few, but the, the, the best goals I've seen in recent times would be Colin Quirk just coming onto one 35, 40 yards out and just bang. And effortless, they'd fly. But there was 
there was another lad back back in the day there um, who I should mention when you talk about players like he used to play um, centre back or centre midfield called Mark Bayless yeah. and I've never seen a he should have played at high level because um, it was effortless he never seemed to be extended he was a Rolls Royce of a player and he used to win the uh, you know the league award for the you know for the outstanding player and all of that. But he was a natural, no backlift. He could ping a ball. He was um, he was he was an Alan Hansen type sort of player, unbelievable. Um, and he he packed footy in and went playing golf. Didn't get any tuition. He's one of them. In about you know four or five months, he's playing off two yeah. and three handicap. Sport Billy, yeah, Sport Billy, yeah. brilliant, right. Hardest away, hardest away fixture, or anywhere where you go continuously with no joy, or anywhere that's just audible and you don't like, or anywhere that you used to go that you didn't like. In the current division, our place to go is um, is Northwich. Northwich fix. Yeah. Um, what what I've also picked up, you you do on the road get a lot of the anti scout sentiments as yeah, well. Not half, yeah. Yeah, and. Um, I never realised it was as evident as it is, but it is. It's there, you know what I mean. But he always has good teams. The the the, the manager there, and um, it's it's hard place to go, and the, the crowd will put you under it as well. Um, you know they're vociferous. Um, back in the day when we used to play Zingari football, it was going to the speak teams. Yeah, you put your crash helmets on before you went down there, like. <laughs> um, and you see some of them in town now, got you know, and sort of, the, oh, bloody hell, yeah, do you yeah, remember this? Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah they cut your legs off and you went down there. <laughs> right, so the final question, knockout pairs. I don't know if you played knockout pairs back in the day. It was basically, you're on a team, there's one goalie, you're on a team of two, everyone else is on a team of two, and you've got mm. to score. If you score, you go through to the next round, and then each, whoever's last is out, all the way to the final. So, You've either got to pick someone to partner you or you can pick two players to represent you however you want to do it. Uh, so let's go. Let's go if you're having a partner. So who's, who would be your partner? Peter Kumsky. Peter Kumsky. Because no, I, I'd, I yeah. yeah. Kumsky or is it Kumsky? No, it's Kumsky. 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 Yeah. yeah, I'd go with Peter because uh, he'd go Golang and I'd do all the legwork and he'd, he'd, he'd slot. Yeah. Absolute yeah. slaughter, wasn't he? Yeah. So then, un- under your under your watch as a chairman, who are you going? Who are you picking as two to represent you? Um, I'm gonna go for I'm gonna go for pace. Um, or you know, there was a there was a lad played for road called, called Bobby Pasco. Yeah. Um, Bobby played at East Villa and then come across to the Remy. He was another goal scorer. So. To represent the club, I'm going to put Bobby Pascoe with Peter Komsky because both of them were just goal machines. Yeah. Fire, fire to glory. Yeah, yeah. Boss, mate. Boss, thanks for your time, Don. And, uh, I've enjoyed it. M- much, uh, wish you much luck and success in the f- in the near future and obviously the uh, longevity of the club, which obviously yourselves and, and the uh, the fellas before you have worked so hard to to achieve and maintain hats off to you because obviously it's uh, the hardest thing in footy is is lasting isn't it 
Yeah, yeah. People say to me, "Have you had your time over again? Would you, would you do it again?" And I, I, I sort of got to ask myself the question. <laughs> but because <laughs> that's how hard it is, isn't it? Yeah, that's how hard it is, and I never appreciated that it is difficult. But you know, come Saturday we get a result, boy, and you're in the bar. It's the best feeling in the world, yeah. and that's what it's all about. Yeah. That's what it's all about. And that that's where we'll end it, mate. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks for having me, Michael. Appreciate it. Cheers. Mm-hmm.